Welcome back everybody to episode number three of the POV podcast. Um, today, today I have basically my boss, my supervisor. I don't know, we don't actually have a proper term, but it, I'm interning basically. So go ahead and tell them who you are. Um, my name is Colleen, Colleen Just, and I work for Kiro. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> I Perfect. Do, I do the marketing um, at one of Kiro uh, Holdings' biggest campuses. So yeah, that's what I do. Okay, cool. So before that, you told me that you were quite nervous and like, um, yeah, that you were quite nervous and that you didn't want it to basically be a video component, um, which is something I would want to get on the podcast, by the way. Um, but why so? Why are you nervous? Why would such, why does such a thing scare you? Or why are you fearful of something like that? Well, you didn't really want to tell me much about your podcast <laughs> and what you do. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so because I'm not sure what you're going to be asking me. <laughs> no, it's just because like, you don't want to, I don't want uh, a prep answer mm. for what I want from you. Mm. Like, for example, I had a friend or I have a friend <laughs> and I wanted her to be on the podcast and then she said yes but she was hella nervous and she was really like you know but she was like what are you gonna ask me what are you gonna ask me I need to know and I was like I can't just tell you because if I'm gonna give you it's gonna everything's gonna sound scripted mm. and I don't want it to be scripted I want it to be like free-flowing it has to be a conversation mm. um, but obviously there are certain things I want from you mm-hmm. uh, that I know that could help benefit somebody or um, spread some sort of a message. Mm, Fair Um, enough. So that's why I get certain people on the podcast that I feel would benefit someone. Mm, Good. And the reason why I asked you was because we had a brief conversation like a few days ago, I think it was last week, Mm -hmm. and I asked and you just told me like, no, I told you that what my plans was for next year, like, mm-hmm. or what I'm looking looking at doing, mm-hmm. and it involved Europe and all of that, and then you um, shed some light on your past and, like, what you did mm-hmm. in Europe and all of that, so I found that really interesting, and I think mm-hmm. that was the tipping point for me, where I was like, no, I need to get you, like, on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And that's why I wanted to know, like, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know, like, when did you leave to Europe? Mm-hmm. When, when was that, like, that thought in your mind when you were like, okay, I need to leave, like, Africa, I need to go somewhere else? Mm. So I, um, after I finished with my uh, matric, grade 12, um, it's a long time ago, 1994, <laughs> Um, I started studying, but I, was, I also needed to study and work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of worked really, really hard for a couple of years, um, trying to get my um, diploma. Um, and I think, yeah, I'd kind of just decided that when I'd finished with that, um, I needed to do something else. I just mm-hmm. needed to, to just make a change. And if I, I knew if I didn't do it after my studies, I probably would never have been able to do it. So, yeah, I've, I've made a decision to, yeah, and it was quite popular at that time. It was 1997. 
Um, the year I was born. <laughs> yeah, I'm <so> quite <laughs> older than you. But there were a lot of South Africans um, applying for a two-year working visa. Um, and there was quite a process to do that. I don't know what it's like these days and how people are able to do that. But I got the ball go- rolling. I, I met with um, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And he gave me some advice on how to make the visa application. Um, it helped that I had finished my studies and I'd been working part-time. And yeah, so it's, it was a whole application. And I just really wanted to go and see the world. Um, and I knew that I needed to work and travel. I wouldn't be able to just go on a whirlwind trip mm. and be able to afford. So I knew I needed to basically earn pounds. Um, so get to, to the UK and take it from there. Yeah. So, but I've always been quite an independent person. Mm-hmm. I moved out of home when I was 18 already. Um, okay. Uh, while I was studying and working. So for me, yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a stretch right at the end, just before I'd, I'd got the visa and I'd booked the flights and I actually found a guy that was running an agency, put in <laughs> inverted commas with my hands up in the air, and he was going to uh, find a placement for me at um, a kind of a hotel, just do sort of hotel reception work, and included in that was going to be accommodation. And that fell through um, like three days before I was supposed to fly. Um, he just didn't return all, any of my calls, and uh, to this day, I don't know what happened with him, but he took my money and he ran. But by then, you know, I'd I'd given up the lease of, I was staying in a small little garden flat off someone's house, I'd, I'd given up that, I'd sold my car, I'd, I was ready to go. So I decided I'm just going to get on that plane <laughs> and arrive. And I had a very, very good friend of mine that was, um, she's a has a Dutch uh, passport, but South African born, and she was living in Amsterdam. So um, I kind of let her know, she knew I was coming, but when I said to her, look, it's all fallen through, she said, oh, I'll meet you at Heathrow. And um, she met me there and kind of, yeah, at least I had a, a buddy with me for a few days and she kind of knew her way around London. And yeah, it was all kind of all up in the air and unknown. My dad was flipping out, <laughs> me being overseas, but it worked out in the end. How old were you when you left? Um, I left when I was 21. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so not, not that young, but mm-hmm. yeah, young, young enough. <laughs> and wait, are you an only child? No, I'm one of four kids. Four. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you lie in the four? So I have an older brother, mm-hmm. um, then it's me. And then I have quite a big gap and two younger sisters. I see. So I'm number two. <laughs> so you left to the UK. Mm-hmm. And... London specifically? Yes. Yeah. Why London? So I just think, yeah, I'd heard that that is sort of the place to be at that time. That was where there were a couple of employment agencies open to um, helping South Africans um, um, on kind of temporary work. Um, so it was just the obvious choice. I think if I'd hung around there and I hadn't found work quickly, I would have had to move mm-hmm. and go further up north or look at different options. But that was sort of, at the time, the obvious choice is to rather be where kind of the the businesses are, you know, and uh, possibly the earning potential was, was better in London. Yeah. So you had 
how many jobs and how long did you stay there? A lot. <laughs> so I lose track. Um, I, I basically signed up with um, an agency. They were called JAL appointments. I have no idea if they're still up and running. It's like I say, I'm 42. So this was 20 odd years ago. Um, and they, it was almost like, um, I guess, like a locum kind of situation. That's or So I'd get a phone call. I, I registered with them and then it was just, um, you wouldn't really know from day to day where you needed to be. You'd get a phone call early that morning. Can you please be? And you'd get an address. Um, and go and do this thing. Um, I kind of put myself down for office work. Um, so it was all about board. You're pulling a funny face. <laughs> no, I'm just because of like what the agency does. Yeah, so um, so we were, my first job was three days sitting on a floor. Um, and it was really hectic because I didn't know London at all. And I had to quickly learn the tubes and how it works. And, you know, southeast London, west London, <laughs> north London, where must I be? But luckily, it was always within the tube, you know, sort of that whole central line, whatever. Um, so I'd get the address and I'd need to be there basically for like a half past eight start. Um, so first first couple of days, I was filing, I walked in, I was taken into this uh, chartered surveyor's office and the room was just full of papers on the floor. I don't know what happened in that room. There was a hurricane or something that went through the room. But I had to file and that's all I did for three days. And then... Um, the next assignment was they put me at Cromwell Hospital in the IT department um, and I think they purposefully got a temp in this position because they wanted someone who they didn't know who would just put up with horrible people phoning in and abusive people on the phone so they just called the temp agency and said send us someone and it happened to be me so I sat on that assignment for a while um, I was manning a help desk um, yeah so that was that assignment and then I got um, an assignment um, again at a, a different chartered surveyor and that was uh, reception work for a couple of I think it was about two weeks really liked them really gelled with them a lovely small little business in central London um, and yeah, like that's when I really got to know sort of the English culture and mm -hmm. you know because you, you it's such a shock because it's it's they're so was it the British it? people are so different to us. <laughs> Is it was it worth going? Definitely, yeah. Do yeah. you? So my question is, did you said you studied? Yes. And then did you go after your studies, eh? Yeah. yeah, and that really helped because it wasn't long after all of these temp assignments that I landed. Um, I mean, I, I went from that to Jupiter Asset Management was another company in Knightsbridge um, and that was quite a long assignment. Um, I think I was there for at least three months um, and that got the foot in the door eventually to work for HSBC Asset Management and by then, um, you know, I was already, I'd studied uh, marketing, PR and business management and so the one the, the job at HSBC opened the door for really doing something in my field, which so I. This ended was up the first time you ever did something in yes, your field. Yeah. Now, yeah. that's my concern, to be mm -hmm. honest. Because <clears throat> my concern is that I get this marketing degree and I leave and I don't get a job in my field. Because mm -hmm. nothing's guaranteed in life, especially something like that. Because mm -hmm. I know of people that basically 
they studied i don't know let's say for example accounting mm. but now they like a secretary mm. or something like that something way 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 off of what they what they initially did or what they started um post school mm. and that is like i wanted to know like is it really then worth it mm. to study and then is it worth it like for me it's a to be honest it's a loving house studying for me mm. i hate school i really hate it <laughs> like i don't know why i went to Did school study. yeah but <laughs> yeah i i guess i've just pulled through but it's that thing of i hated school when i left school i was happy and that thing the thing at the time between all the kids and stuff was like you going to university you're going to go study we are mm. going to go study and then so you kind of feel like you should you should do that and mm. that's what i did mm. so i was like i have to go study like everybody mm. studying that's like it's mm. it's the in thing mm. quote unquote and that's when i applied and everything i got in so that's when i moved to mm. cape town and what not but then like so again my thing is as i was studying my first year went really well really really well mm. and by the end of that first year start second year i i started to feel this this thing that i feel now which was like is it worth it mm. is it something i should do because I, I i basically went back into school mm. and this is coming from someone like i said i hated school i never enjoyed it i just enjoyed seeing my friends mm. and stuff i found it boring i like like i don't find things difficult like school work anything i don't i just find it tedious and i just find it like sometimes i feel like it's a waste of time because mm. i feel like i could be doing something else mm. more to benefit my my like my ambitions and all of that kind of stuff and so yeah i just it's 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 just weird for me hearing that you only got into your field mm. after so many jobs mm. but they weren't long so it was a couple of weeks here a couple of weeks there some of the assignments were a couple of days but eventually mm. it wasn't long i mean it was possibly a year and i was where i needed to be um you got to start somewhere mm. you got to i think especially these days you know there are there are people with degrees who have to start somewhere and um especially in south africa i mean in south africa jobs are few and far between mm-hmm. they really are few and far between and if you can can um take it take take an opportunity and look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and if i look at the way it progressed you know it just went it got it got better and better and better um my my kind of job at hsbc was exactly where i was supposed to be and i stayed there for i we ended up living in the uk for 4 years long story but um did you stay at that job so i stayed at hsbc for about 2 years mm-hmm. and then that was the next step up on the ladder which was um a job at a company called cmp europe and there i was a senior pr exec um doing um it exhibitions and pr for for big at, it exhibitions at the age of so i was 23 yeah 23. so you suggest somebody like kids should basically humble themselves down and not 
not think too highly of themselves because they have a degree and be like, okay, look, I have this degree in mm-hmm. whatever field. I should already be a head marketer, for example. If you're studying marketing or business, you should be already like a business manager. I think it's very it's very rare that that actually happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it, it's, it's not possible. Um, you know, I think in some tertiary institutions, I believe in your final year, you can already go and do almost like in-service training or interning or things like that. And, you know, I don't think it's unheard of that at that point you a company likes what they see and they offer you a job. Mm-hmm. But I think when you finish with your degree, you're an entry level. You have a degree, yes, and, and you're always going to have that degree. No one's going to take that away from you. But you have very little experience. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't always mean that what you have studied is what actually is going to help you but it's not the be all and end all um job experience is like diamonds and if i look back on on my progression and you know where i'm at now and i mean i'm i'm in a role now almost a bit of a gear down to what i was in ju- the, the job just before this one that i'm doing um, and it's seasons of life, you know, I'm a mom with three kids now and, and, you know, I was traveling overseas and I was doing all kinds of, of promotions and, and product launches and things. And there's a time for that. Um, but I think certainly when you finish studying and you're young, hopefully you don't have too much debt behind your name if your parents have been able to pay for your studies. And not, not everyone's in that boat. Some people have huge study loans that they need to pay off. But when you're kind of in that season, it's, it's a season to put your head down for maybe two years and take what you can get. Work where you can. If you, if you earmark a company, wow, I'd love to work for them. You know, go and, and offer to work for free if you have to, for mm-hmm. three months. Say, look, I'll, I wanna work for you guys. I wanna work, you don't even have to pay me. Let me, let me just get the experience. Um, and these things will lead to other things. You know, and nothing that you do um, in the job market is for nothing. It's something that you can put on your CV. And, you know, you don't, you've got to think about it. It's not always about the job. It's not always, not always about what I had to do while I was there. You know, okay, I had to sit on the floor and file for three days. But what did that do? You know, perhaps you, 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 you life is always about learning. So, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps you, you take something from there. Maybe there was a, a really difficult manager that you had to report into doing that three-day filing job. And guess what? You learned the skill over those three days. You know, how do I deal with a very difficult person? You know, and, you know, 10 years down the line, you're a senior product manager and you're needing to deal with a colleague or a team member that's got that similar personality. You can look back on your time when you sat on the floor filing for three days and, oh, yeah, I've come across a person like this before and I learned from it, you know, and this is how I'm going to to react or, or react with the similar personality and this is how I'm going to get the best working relationship that I can get, you know. So I think, yeah, it's, it's rare that you will land a job straight away with your degree um, right there with the, the best salary and the job title. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, and it's difficult in South Africa and it's equally difficult if you're going to go overseas and, and look for work. I think that is even more difficult than trying to find work in South Africa because any country 
that's employing um, a South African with a South African passport or even, you know, I don't know, Namibian passport, they've got to kind of prove that they've already offered that job to any other British person, for example, and they can't find that skill set. So you coming as an entry level, what do, what do you bring? You know, you're bringing very little experience. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not easy to find a job overseas anyway. Yeah. So yeah, the, the long the long story. The point I'm trying to make is, you got to start somewhere. Thank you, because I feel like that puts things into perspective, mm. and that would really help somebody like me. And somebody like um, like students that are trying to to basically find their their next step in life after like um, their studies and the next um, yeah basically the next part in life and to like not and like I said I feel like they should then what I, what I got from you was that they should then humble themselves in in the workspace so that they could progress later in life and um so yeah i feel that was actually some really something i could and really would want to share with people my age and younger because mm. when i was 16 17 18 i knew nothing about the university didn't know how to apply didn't know anything of that nature didn't know what to expect mm. i just hear things from my older friends but then Yet again, it didn't doesn't help much. Yet, like I, like you said, you need that experience. You need to experience that mm. that um, after high school life. Mm. And now that it's in this phase of college, um, university, whatever you you at or whatever, mm. now it's like I've experienced this, and now it's this thing of I'm going into the workspace. I'm going into industry. I'm going into businesses and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And that knowledge from somebody that's already gone through it mm-hmm. and has been doing it for years, I feel like that's valuable, valuable information. People like us, um, us younger generation, do not get because mm-hmm. you don't hear the stuff in school. You don't hear the stuff in anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you really don't. Like because it it seems so stressful because you never know what's happening. Mm-hmm. You never know. Okay, after school, what am I going to do after school? Okay, I'm studying. After, okay, you're chilling for three, four, how many years you're studying for? And then after that, you're like, okay, I don't know what to expect. Now I just have to get a job. You just know this, these general basic things, terms. Mm. I hope you get what I'm trying to say. Mm. And knowing that you have to basically, like I said, humble down, um, be ready to get that experience and mm. work up and not expect the best salary and all of that kind of stuff from the get-go. Mm. So I feel like that's valuable information, especially for someone like me. It puts me somewhere that is, mm. and I hope that would do something. Sorry, I hope it will do the same for somebody my age or younger. Yeah. And especially for somebody like in high school. Like, because I remember when I was 16, mm. 10th grade, you had to basically now looking at your subjects, you need to know like, okay, what are you gonna do so that you can um, deep dive deeper in like the certain the certain subject yeah. so that it goes on to the the next thing like which is like your your university and stuff. 
and then you know your work mm -hmm. so you basically have to decide from like an age of like 16 to 18 mm -hmm. um which was quite scary because i never knew what i wanted to do yeah and i feel like kids in high school don't get that that mm -hmm. vital vital information mm -hmm. so yeah my next thing is when you went to the uk do you suggest that when if somebody gets that opportunity to leave or has that let's say that financial stability to leave mm -hmm. should they is something like leaving your country very very good for your experience as a whole like does it benefit you as a whole definitely yeah i think um my son is uh 15 he'll be 16 in april next year and um i will have no problem with him um i would love him to come back to south africa i wouldn't want it to be permanent <laughs> but i think um yeah it's a good thing if you have the opportunity to go abroad and it doesn't really matter where you know um and just experience a different culture work in a different environment um it definitely opens up your your eyes you know not only in the workplace but just to how big the world is you know and, and experience different cultures absolutely and and i think also you know with our south african rand being so weak in currency um, if you have the opportunity to be able to work and travel and that's what we ended up doing is we, we worked we, we worked really hard and we we put in the, the you know and, and there's opportunity there was opportunity for us to put in overtime and, and you know even increase our salary that way because the South Africans had a reputation at that point um, in the UK as really hard-working people um, and so we'd, you know, we we put our hand up and say, I'll work that. Um, I was there over the, um, I can't remember what it was, it was the millennium, the mi millennium, and it was when the clocks were all, it was that big IT scare, I don't know, you may be a bit young to remember it, but it, <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm not really good with IT, but it was like, all, there was this fear that the computer systems in, around the world were going to crash because it was now the year 2000 and that oh. provision hadn't been made, I don't know, in the yes, digital yes. world or whatever. So like, for example, where I was working at that point was HSBC and um, they were looking for people that were prepared to work over New Year, like the big 2000, you mm -hmm. know, and... A whole bunch of us were South Africans. We all put up a hand because they were offering a thousand pounds, thousand pounds to be anybody that was prepared to work over New Year and be available. And if our systems crash and we've got to, you know, the call center lights up and we've got to call all our customers and, you know, so yeah, we as South Africans that were there, we we'd work, you know, and if there was an opportunity to earn extra pounds, we'd do it. And then guess what? We'd go and travel. <laughs> you know, we'd take a long weekend and climb on Ryanair or whatever those cheap flights and off we were over to Europe and, you know, go and experience Paris for the weekend or go off to Eastern Europe, you know. And, and so that's, I think, when you're young and you don't have 
all that responsibility, you know, like of a, of of a, a car and a house and a wife and children and school fees mm-hmm. and I don't know, all the stuff. It's, it's a good thing to do. But I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, and then, and then we got to a point where we realized, okay, we've, we've done this, we've, we're tired of the weather and we want to come back, you know, um, yeah, but I think it's it's a good thing to do. So my son, um, I'd like him to study first, if at all possible. Get mm-hmm. that, just get that behind your name. I think it's some people do take a gap year. Um, I think you're very young, at like 18 to or 19, to go and do that. Um, and sometimes you're you haven't got that hock eight out of your system. You still mm-hmm. want to go and drink and party and. Still a bit yeah. na- too naive. Too naive. So I'd say study first, get that done, and and then you've got your degree that no one can take away from you or your diploma, and you've got nothing to lose. You know, as long as you've got your paperwork in place, don't go <laughs> don't go over there and say you're going on a holiday and then try and find work and whatever you'll get deported. So make sure you've got your paperwork correct that you can do you know, seasonal work or whatever, however that visa operates. But yeah, I would encourage my, my son to do that. Um, I'd be a bit apprehensive about my daughter, only because I'm a protective mom. But if she wanted to do it, I mean, I did it. So, I, so I but how did your it. parents feel about you leaving like that? Well, I already left home when I was finished matric. I, I, okay. I literally moved well, what, does, what does that mean? What I, does that mean? I where left, left. Yeah. Where did you Where did you live after I, that? I took a, for lack of a better word, um, a domestic quarter um, accommodation from, mm-hmm. I found a very cheap place to stay and I was waitressing and studying. Um, yeah. I, so you paid? I paid, yeah. With your waitress um, income? Yeah, so I I had, luckily my studies were being paid for by my dad, mm-hmm. um, and he was going to make me pay it back when I finished, <laughs> but in the end he, he gifted me with my studies, so, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I did not live at home um, after matric, I moved um, between my two waitressing jobs while studying, and eventually I I did study first full-time for a year, so I was in the, during the day studying. And I was waitressing in the evenings and weekends, and it was good, good money, good waitressing job money. Um, so I was able to pay my rent, and I've already bought a car in the trick. I was again with. I started working when I was fourteen, wait, waitressing. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I worked. I was quite young, but that was just the. I didn't come from a very wealthy family. Um, my parents weren't very well off so I was very motivated from very young to make my own money so that I could well at that age buy the shampoo that I wanted and the clothes that I wanted mm-hmm. but then eventually yeah from about grade nine I, I started seriously just saving all my money so when I was in a trick I was able to buy my own car cash so I had the car and I started buying kettle iron toaster fridge <laughs> when I was in a trick putting it in the corner of my room and every time my mom walked past she just looked to my room and saw all my stuff like every week would be something else that mm-hmm. I bought and she would just start crying <laughs> but I was independent I needed to do you think that's what that do you think that's what our generation likes a lot because because <laughs> I feel like such a snob listening to your story because 
No, I don't come from a from a wealthy family either. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's average. It's really mm-hmm. average. And but my mother, like, and my father, um, they they gift us a lot. Like mm-hmm. they give us a lot. Sometimes I actually feel like I'm being spoiled too much. And I don't know, I think it's maybe just because like the way my mom then grew up, mm-hmm. it's it was it was a, it's a totally different mm-hmm. totally different age and a totally different everything. Um so I feel like everything for us in this generation is gifted to us, like mm-hmm. you know, you're just being spoon fed everything. I mean, I didn't work i haven't worked worked mm. like ever like i haven't wait like waited i haven't done anything mm. um i just school um after school study and now i'm like interning like for the first time like properly mm. and um i mean like i have a car but it was gifted to me by my parents mm. you know and they they weren't like you know you need to pay us back for this car or anything it mm. was like and it was just a gift. It wasn't something I even asked for. Yeah. Um, so do you think that is something our generation lacks? Like that, that work ethic, that mm. proper work ethic. And yeah. is it that we are so used to being, like I said, spoon-fed? Mm. In a way, yeah. I, I do think that it's, it, is a, it is like that. It is a sign of the times. I do think that like, you know, the situation is different so you've got to look at that I mean I think years ago I was a young girl of 16 jumping on a scooter you know a little sewing machine with an engine on it which I also bought <laughs> and, and you know back then I, that would I would be independent and mobile at such a young age and able to take myself off to my job and do what I needed to do, not depend on my parents but I think also just living specifically here in South Africa, I mean, there's, there's safety issues now that I think weren't there when I was growing up, um, you know, um, and that's a sign of the times, you know, so I look at my son, he's, he's almost 16, would I let him go out and work? Probably not. Um, yeah, so I think there's a bit of that loss, almost that work work ethic that that I had growing up that if yeah, I needed to earn my own way. Um, but I think parents these days can still strive to create an environment for their young, you know, teenagers slash young adults in that they must know that you, you need to work for something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just going to fall out of the sky. Life is unfair. <laughs> I'm saying with my kids, unfair training. <laughs> and that means... Um, if I decide to, you know, buy a chocolate for the one and not for the other, and the other one goes, no, that's not fair. And the first thing I say is, uh, unfair training. This is your training in unfairness. Mm. So he got a chocolate and you didn't. And guess what? Life's not fair. (laughs) Deal with it. (laughs) Because you... That's, that's totally like (laughs) me. That's something I do. Like that's, that's really how I am. I remember when I was in, in matric, I was, we were, I think a class of 20 or 21 or something like that. And we were like only three boys. And I was one of the three. Um, yeah, one of three or four, something like that. And the rest were all girls. 
So like, not to speak badly of them or anything, but girls would always just be like, oh, I didn't do this, and, and then they would just like whine, you know, a mm. lot. And I'd always just say, you know what, life's not fair. Mm. Like, mm. like it's not fair. Um, and I'd, I'd always just say these things like, life's not fair. Um, life waits for no man. Yeah. Um, such kind of things. Yeah. And then like, they would always just be like, um, yeah, stunned, or they would be like. Oh, what really yeah. like, you know and and I used to say that a lot and a lot and a lot and mm-hmm. um, and it's it's true because they would like they would whine and complain and then they'd like bathe in that whatever they're complaining about mm-hmm. and then they'd just complain and complain and I'd be like listen it's unfair it, mm-hmm. it is unfair that is what mm-hmm. it is but life is unfair yeah like but um, if I just going back to what you were asking um I think the generation now has a lot of opportunities. It's not it's not the same as mm-hmm. in we've got safety issues, security issues, do you know, and parents do tend to rather give to their kids because they want to keep them protected and cotton wooled and oh no no, you don't need to go out and, and have a job. I'll I'll sponsor your car or but I think um, I think the young people of today have things that we didn't have. I mean, I didn't, I, I can tell you when SMSs started coming out. I mean, you were probably born and they existed, but you know, there weren't like, only the very rich people had cell phones and and then it was just a phone and there was no SMSing. And mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, now we can SMS and then we can MMS and, you know, so, um, and I think the young people of today, um, do themselves an injustice by just taking from their parents and accepting and accepting. And, you know, you guys have got social media and you've got, um, you know, kind of digital channels that didn't exist. And so, yes, you can still um, be entrepreneurial and and kind of get your own thing going and earn money that way mm-hmm. instead of going and being a waiter. You've got other ways of making money that didn't exist when I was, and and even while you're studying, you can start up something and do something. Um, my son, when he was six, um, we noticed that there were weeds growing in our estate on everybody's driveways, and we said, "Come, you and your sister, we're gonna help you. We're not gonna you too young to do this by yourself." But we got them a little backpack with the plungy, poisony container thing that you put the weed poison in oh yes yes and we said go and put your business we've made little business cards and we said go put your little flyer in everybody's post box and anybody that wants their weed sprayed on their driveway you know and i mean that's almost an old school way of you know i'm sending my kids out in in the streets you know and there's security issues there Mm -hmm. you know and that those type of things but that's not always safe you know but that's my same oldest son now. Um, he's 15 and he runs a little quote unquote business buying and selling computer parts and gaming machines and whatever. Okay, he's got his dad helping him. My husband's in IT and able to get, way, get yeah. good quality, not so expensive products, and you know, but he's on Gumtree and he's buying and he's selling, and, and you know, so you know. You, the young generation, have these ways, you know, and put things on Instagram and get people to follow you and do your podcasts and, mm-hmm. you know, and 
you know, you guys have got, I mean, even what is this YouTube and you can be, make money, you know, just from having a channel and mm -hmm. getting, going viral. And then all of a sudden you got, you know, I don't know, what is it? YouTube wanting to digitize your channel and put ads on there and yeah, you know, yeah. then you make money, it, yeah. monetize it. And, and isn't there even money that can be made with, what's that game? Um, Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah, like, people make millions. Exactly. So this, this, you know, this, and I actually think that that being entrepreneurial and learning those skills from young mm -hmm. is very important. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily need to mean you have to work for someone, but you can start with that young as you are by yourself. You know, um, I was blown away. My daughter. Um, my daughter said to me, and she's, she's 13, she said, Mom, we have to go on this and this date to this church, Enchia, whatever it was in Durbanville, um, Sonstral, Enchia Gemeente. Um, and the slime, the, the slime lady that she, she's into slime, <laughs> big time, <laughs> slime, slime. This slime, that slime, smelling slime, textured slime, whatever. She follows all the slime people. <laughs> and she said to me, I, we have to, and I, she kept on going on about this date. And I said, Emily, it's a cack bazaar. And the tummy is going to be there and she's going to have a table and she's going to be selling her slime. We don't have to get there at one o'clock. Mommy, we've got to be there at one o'clock. We've got, I'm like, I'm sure the bazaar's running the whole day. This lady, she follows her on Instagram. She's put it out on Instagram. She's going to be there selling her slime. I will get you there. You know, we will go and get you some slime. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Whatever. She kept on going on about this. Lo and behold, that day approaches. I always run late. So <laughs> we got that about five past one. There was a queue wrapping all the way down the road and around that church. A queue of people. For slime. Well, this is what I thought. I didn't realize. I thought it was a cat bazaar. And the woman, the young girl's there with her table like any... Sunny selling Fana Cook and another one selling popcorn <laughs> and yes, someone selling slime. Oh, no, 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 no. She basically, this girl, has thousands of followers, of followers on Instagram. She, it was just her. It was just her. She'd managed, I don't know who she knew at that church, but she'd said, can I use your venue? They've obviously agreed. And just through Instagram marketing, she managed to get this complete row of people. The neighbors around that church were coming out of their house to say, actually, what's going on here? Is there a celebrity inside? <laughs> like, what is this? Um, yeah, so so that's a typical example of a young person. And in the lead up to the slime event of her, she put out on Instagram, she's going to be there and these are her prices and this is what she's selling. She told people to bring their slime that they've made and she will take it in and then she will review it later on her channel. Um, you know, she drew such a crowd. I just looked at this and I thought, this girl selling slime is going to be a multimillionaire. Yeah. Um, you know, I was blown away. I, I was like, how through Instagram marketing does she get her, you know, such a following um, for slime? So that's an example of, young, you of a young person that is, that is entrepreneurial mm -hmm. and thinking out the box and making money. 
and learning skills, you know, whatever she's busy studying towards, we don't know, but learning skills and running her own business. Business, yeah. And I feel like it's true, but don't you find it like laughable? Because think about it, in the 90s, somebody selling slime <laughs> and making a business off of it. Mm. Um, don't you find it like, like funny? Like, I do. <laughs> like, don't you find it like, it's almost like cheating. It's like we, this generation has a cheat code. We like, <laughs> like, to, to be, to be successful in, um, business-wise or, or financially, rather. Because mm. it is funny, because you get stuff like, like you said, you get stuff like on YouTube, people are like, um, I can't remember what channel's name is specifically but it's something like what's inside or something like that and then they open everything mm. like what's inside for example what's inside this microphone mm. then they'll saw saw it open and mm. people would watch like over a million views of mm. it and then they'll make money that way um do you want to answer that or do you want to uh... okay. all right um yeah, so, but I find it like quite interesting because I, I do see these opportunities. I really mm. do. And I've seen this when I was 17, 18. Mm. And I was like, like, I can do this stuff. Mm. I can really like take advantage of like social media platforms mm. like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, mm. uh, YouTube, whatever. And I was scared to do it mm. because now you're in the public eye. And at that time, I really. I really cared about a lot of what people thought of me. Mm. So you want to have like this, this good, what's the, what's it called? What's the word? Status, I guess, mm. or mm. whatever you want. Like you want this good word about yourself spreading through people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want, um, something stupid, you know, mm. like mm. something embarrassing or whatever. So that time I knew what I, what, what my interest was in mm -hmm. and I had an interest in marketing as well um, because I did business studies in high school and I was like okay look I wasn't also entirely sure everything was just all over the place mm. went to study marketing through my years of studying these past three years I've started to see a recurring pattern of me always referring back to social media mm. and now, but now it's this thing of like, it became this thing of, okay, now everybody's doing social media. Mm. Be because it's easy. To be, in all fairness, it is easy. Mm. Um, if you build an, on on an audience, you mm. can do anything. Like, you really can. If you get like, for example, 20,000 people just looking at your stuff every day, mm. you can make a successful business out of it. Because what... What business like, for example, like Nike or yeah. Puma or something would not want 20,000 people looking at this stuff and mm. then, for example, half of that, the 10,000 buying the stuff. Mm. So, um, I saw, like I said, I saw these opportunities and, but I was just scared to like take that leap of faith, mm. more or less. And it was only till this year where I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. And I found an interest in podcasting like the end mm. of last year. So that's when I was like, for months and months, I've just been scheming and like strategizing like what 
um, my brand would be, my personal brand, what I want to portray, what mm -hmm. I want. And then once I started to find that more and more, and as I'm doing these things, it's just, I'm, it's like you're chiseling at the, at the statue, you know, like you're starting to mold what you actually, you're getting to that core thing that you, yeah. who you are, what you want to do. And it's just getting better and better. Mm. Um, so only till this year, uh, 2021 yeah before I turned 21 mm -hmm. that's when I started like my podcast my YouTube channel um, I have an okay following like it's not big but it's an okay following mm. uh, on Instagram and I was like I can use these things to my advantage yeah and I've always told my mom Growing up, I want to have my own business, I have my own business, like since mm. primary school, throughout high school, but you ne I never knew what it was going to be. Yeah. And now it's like, it's coming to that point where I'm, I'm I know what I want it to be, mm. you know, and there's a lot of other things I still want to do, but yeah, basically all what I'm trying to say is that I do, I do see this opportunity, but now I'm trying to take advantage of, mm. of it as well, because mm. I would be a fool not to. Yeah. In in my opinion. Mm. So, like I said, I I focused a lot more what people thought about me, mm -hmm. and but then I put that aside and like I really don't like I've had this like split basically. I would care, but I wouldn't care. Mm. But then I would, but then I wouldn't. Mm. Like, but then I just you know it's just like a switch. Mm. Then I I was like, look, I don't really care. So I started to just do what I wanted to do, and now like. I feel things are working for me, mm. more or less. But it's still quite early. Mm. And this is, like I said, it's only, like you've heard, it's only the third episode I've mm. done. Um, but yeah. So, but nevertheless, I just wanted to share that with you. Mm. Um, my next thing is, you stayed in the UK for four years. Mm -hmm. Four years? Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned to me that you've developed cancer. Mm. Um, how was that like? Yeah, it was pretty hectic. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not a, not a very nice time in my life. Um, yeah, and yeah, everything. I think everything happens for a reason. And we had been in the UK for four years, and sick of it, and the weather, and and and. So yeah, we came back and it wasn't long after that I uh, developed quite a big lump in my neck which just grew overnight and it was thyroid cancer and yeah, that's a pretty life-changing experience to have that and so young, I was 27, 26, 27, 26 and, That's not um, quite young Yeah, really young and a very um, odd cancer in that it's not hereditary it's not it's it's actually traceable to people that have had radiation exposure mm -hmm. um that like people that were in the chernobyl atomic bomb for example mm -hmm. um would develop that type of cancer um so it was the only thing i could put it down to was i had a series of uh, surgeries on my feet when I was really young. Um, had was born with kind of funny feet. Not serious, but it developed as I grew. And up around about the age of thirteen, I had to have a couple of surgeries on my foot. 
both feet and perhaps at that point um maybe at some x-ray or something something didn't go right or unbeknownst to me or my family my parents i was exposed to radiation i don't know but yeah so i developed this thyroid cancer and had what, to what, you said sorry like you said you lived in central london mm. does could it be that that i don't know i'm just spitballing Maybe it's like the pollution or the or something <laughs> like in the air because I've I've heard that um, conspiracy in theory. such yeah <laughs> like but it's apparently it's proven that cars hmm. in like big cities and stuff there's a lot of moving traffic and when they brake they give off like this spark or like this kind of dust powder mm. what what have you and if you inhale that mm. um you it can activate cancer cells or some, something like mm. that so i'm just quite like trying trying to see if i can put two and two together yeah. because this is what i've heard and um apparently it was like a proven fact that um it happens a lot in big cities because there's that constant like moving traffic and then uh, if you are in that like those big big cities that um you're obviously inhaling a lot of that uh, uh, uh that powder that dust whatever mm. you want to call it mm. um and yeah people that usually live there like such big cities like what was it new york mm. london i don't know what else they usually get that they're always prone to like having cancer or some sort mm. of cancer. something something like that but don't mm. quote me on it yeah I, I don't know i mean we also at the time said to i had a couple of doctors and you know oncologists and how could this have happened you know how mm. what was the cause and no one really had an answer so yeah so that was a season of my life that's over with but yeah i have to go for checkups every year and but i'm fine so you beat cancer i did <laughs> that's amazing i don't have a thyroid at all and have to take medication every day but mm -hmm. i'm a cancer survivor wow like how long mm -hmm. have you had it for hey how long have you had yeah so for? i i had it at 26 mm -hmm. um and i was kind of treated for about a year um and then had surgery and whatever and radiation. so you caught it early yeah it was Caught early, um, they cut out the tumor. Um, what they do is they remove they remove my entire thyroid, um, and they removed more than what they should have because they always cut around a tumor. They mm. even cut the healthy um, kind of flesh meat, meat yeah. away so that there's nothing left. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then yeah, just every year I need to go for um, the type of cancer I had can spread to your liver, your lungs, or your lymph nodes. Oh. So um, I always just have to go and be checked out um, on an annual basis. But yeah, I'm cancer free for, I don't know, I can't do maths, 20 odd years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing because, yeah. like, not, you don't get many survivors. No, know? yeah. That is something to be quite, <laughs> quite braggy about if, if I were you. <laughs> Yeah, and I think just, you know, you, you live a healthy life. Mm -hmm. You're very, you know, I think before that, you know, you're not really aware of it. Once, that, once the big C has touched your life, you 
are very aware of what you put into your body and um, eat healthily and mm -hmm. and make the most of every day. Was your diet like poor before that? No, I don't think so. I just think you know you're young and you you know you'll go and sit in the sun if you feel like it and burn yourself to a crisp and mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, no, I wasn't eating badly, but just I think you just until you've been touched by cancer, you you you, you never after you know having that experience, you're just very aware mm -hmm. of, of everything that's unhealthy. You know, that did you, they that you don't want they, to engage in? Did they allow you to do chemo? There? So my cancer wasn't treatable by chemo; it was treated mm -hmm. by radiation. Okay. They zapped me with radioactive iodine was, scans was and tablets. <laughs> How was that? So I was radioactive. <laughs> I was a walking radio. It's really odd. I mean, I don't. I'm not a doctor, but um, yeah, my I didn't lose all my hair, um, mm -hmm. but I had the hair falling out, and you just don't feel well. Um, yeah, but that was. Was it painful? Um, no, but the surgery was painful. So uh -huh. when they eventually went in and took the, the entire thyroid out and the tumor, um, it was pretty... You had one surgery? Pretty major, yeah. The surgery was a very mm. long surgery. They've got to be careful with your vocal cords and your esophagus. Yeah. And yeah, the recovery after that was quite long. Had a huge scar. I still have it, but yeah. <laughs> it's there. You can see it. Just about. Somewhere there. Oh, yeah. it doesn't look, it's not that big at all, <laughs> yeah, actually. I can't see it. Do you know, it blends in well. Yeah. It really does blend in well. Yeah. And it's like... But it wasn't always like this. It was it was a lump, you know, like mm -hmm. any um, incision in your yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a ridge mm -hmm. for a long time. So it was very, I always had, wore a scar for something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, now it's years and years later. It's just a faint little line on my neck. <laughs> Wow, your event, your <laughs> twenties sound eventful. Yeah, they were. They were very. <laughs> but I think I'm gonna end it there. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna end it on the high note like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, thank you so so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. I hope this would um help some of people of my age and younger. Mm -hmm. I feel like it did. It certainly put some things into perspective for myself. Mm -hmm. It was nice hearing about your story, um, the little that you shared with us, mm -hmm. um, or with me, whatever. But yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Cheers.